let's get into our message. We're gonna, uh, you're going to have to listen fast, all right? Um, we're going to continue in The Great Escape. Uh, this is Last week we talked about in our message, The Last Chance. We saw the Lord uh, give Pharaoh, who would have been the last Egyptian god to fall, one last opportunity to allow the children of Israel to leave Egypt. In his arrogance, he defied God yet again and ignored the ominous warning that Moses gave him about the death of the firstborn all over Egypt. All over Egypt. This defiance will bring unimaginable suffering down upon the Egyptians and is a glaring example to all of humanity of the consequences that result from living in opposition to the Lord. This week, in preparation for this tenth and final plague, we get to see how God prepares the Israelites to endure this horrific night of loss in our message, which is titled today, The Instructions of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, and I thank you for this opportunity to bring the Word of God. And I'm going to ask, Father, that you'll please uh, speak to our hearts, Lord. Uh, we are a needy people. We need uh, spiritual nourishment. And, Lord, I pray that you will feed us from the Word today. Uh, my desire, Father, is that I would disappear and that the words that I share would be the ones that you would choose and not the ones that I would choose. God, speak to us. And, Lord, I thank you so much that you've spoken to me. I ask now that you speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter number 12, verse number 1. This is just after leaving the throne room. Remember, Moses left kind of in a huff when he was talking to Pharaoh. And it says here in verse number 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So what he's saying is, that, look, he said, what's getting ready to happen to you guys is going to be so dramatic that in actuality what I'm going to do is I'm going to change your calendar from here on out this month, which is what's going to be called Nissan, which is going to take place in what have been around April. April or March of our year. This is his look. Your, your calendar is going to change. They were going to go from slaves to their wicked taskmasters, and now they will be made free men and women by the power of God. Does that sound like anybody else we can think of? Maybe us, right? Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Talking about that relationship, Brother Eustace was talking about the fact that once we receive Christ, God has a new life for us, a literally a new beginning, as we see as a picture of that in this Hebrew changing of the calendar. Verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take unto them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. So the Hebrew calendar, like I said, is going to start in this, and this is going to coincide with our times of April and of early spring. But this is a time frame where we're going to get ourselves thinking about where we are. Verse number four, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall eat, make your, make your count for the lamb. So he's saying, look, if you don't have enough folks in the home, to justify having a lamb, maybe you do it in, 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 in conjunction with your neighbor. And if you have too many, maybe you need to split it up a little bit, kind of giving them a little bit of, a, of an insight. But what's interesting is in the, the, the Jewish um, oral law, which is called the Mishnah, the rabbis would have gotten together and they would have come up with sort of some little bit more clear direction. And they figured out, and their assumption was this, that if it was less than 10, um, no more, no more, no less than ten to have a lamb, and no more than twenty in a household. That was the parameter that the rabbis set in the Mishnah. Number verse number five: Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. The word that's used in the Hebrew is the word say, S-E-H, and that word actually means either goat or it means sheep. Okay? In our Word Strong study, one of the things we've been looking at is not only the fact that it's important to keep maintain the validity of the Word of God, but also the words 
of God. It's important. We're not just looking for the general concept. We're not looking for just the devotional aspect of how I apply it to my life, but we're also looking into the deep things of God. God says he's going to reveal the deep things to us in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says this, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Saying, look, there are aspects of the scripture that you cannot understand. We know the Bible tells us also further in that scripture in 1 Corinthians than the Bible says the natural man cannot understand the word of God, meaning he does not have the indwelling Holy Spirit that lives within us. And that helps us to understand the word. So each word is vitally important. If we look back at verses 3, 4, and 5 real quick, just real quick, I'm going to pop them up there. Notice here, it says, a lamb, a lamb. That is a general, generic sacrifice. In the next verse, verse 4, it says, the lamb. So now it goes from being a general to now a specific type of sacrifice. And then look in verse number 5, it says, your lamb. It goes from general, right, just general to specific to personal. Now when we consider that, right, take that and apply that to your relationship with Christ. Jesus died for the sins of the world, general, John 3, 16. Jesus died for all that shall call upon him, specifically, right? We see that in Ephesians 2.8. And Jesus died for me, personal, right? Romans 10.13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the very words that God chooses are specifically important because there's a deeper message to be seen. God chooses every word specifically. This spotless lamb was to be carefully taken out or sanctified because of its worthiness, being without blemish. John 17, 19, Jesus said this of himself, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified, sanctified through the truth. The Lord set himself apart because he was the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that could pay for the sins of the world. Verse number 6, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and, will, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Interestingly, Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the Passover. It lines up with the time frame. This lamb was to be cared for, so the relationship would form, right? It says that you're taking him in for that four days. You're going to take him apart. You're going to live, but you're going to take care of it. And what there's, God wants to happen is here, there's a relationship here that starts to bond between this perfect, spotless lamb and this family. That makes this sacrifice a little bit harder than others. This sacrifice of this life was to have a greater significance because it is pointing to the cross at Calvary. Verse number 7, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the, of the house, wherein they shall eat it. Now why the blood? Why is the blood significant? In Deuteronomy 12, 23, God teaches us, Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life. And thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Life, the blood is a symbol of life. Why the door? In John 10, verses 7 and 9, Jesus said again of himself, he says, I am the door, right? Why above the door and on either side? The blood of the sacrifice is displayed upon wood to show that God's plan for the deliverance of his people had been carried out. It's a symbol, right? Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, John 1, 29 and 36 says that he will die on a cross and his life blood will be displayed on the wood of that cross, revealing that God's plan of deliverance had been followed. The empty tomb three days later would show that that, that, that deliverance was accepted, or that sacrifice was accepted by God. Now, was this always God's plan, right? John 1 Peter 1, 18, and 19, 18 through 20 says this, 
For as much as you know that you not that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with a precious with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, for us, right? When we consider this, if you put the blood above it and were to run down the door and on either side, pointing again to the cross, pointing again to the cross. In verse number eight, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with the bitter herbs they shall eat of it. Okay, so this sacrifice was to be consumed with the unleavened bread. The unleavened bread is a picture of being righteous, meaning sinless, because leaven is one of those things that we know in the Bible that represents sin. And we talk about the fact that a little bit of leaven, what does it do? It leaveneth the whole lump. And we have to be careful of that because sin is something that can work its way into our lives. And then it says with bitter herbs. Bitter herbs are a picture of humility. So we're supposed to come with righteousness and humility to consume this sacrifice, receive it. It says, eat not of it raw, nor sodden at with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. This sacrifice was to come in direct contact with the fire. He says, look, there's not to be a gravy. There's not supposed to be water. I want this thing directly in contact with the fire. When you find the word fire in the Bible, guess what it points to? God's judgment. God's judgment. You can find that 29 times you find God's judgment in the fire. Jesus will face the wrath of God's judgment without, upon sin directly and all sufficiently. And he says, and ye shall eat, you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. This sacrifice will be completely and totally consumed at one time. It had to be full, and it's a picture of full faith. That's what it's saying. Say, look, it's full faith. It's not partial. It's not like I'm going to do part now and part later. It's not a little bit of Jesus and something else. It's all him, all by faith. Verse 11, and thus shall ye, shall ye eat it. And with your loins girded, and with your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's pastor. He says, look, man, you better be ready. You're eating this thing quick, because guess what? You're getting ready to walk out. You've been in this place for 430 years. This is generation after generation after generation. He says, I need you to be dressed to leave in a split second. As you eat this, guess what? It's getting ready to happen. The promise that I made, and I told you deliverance is coming, it is coming. That's about to get real, and death is coming. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. Of Egypt. Remember that I told you this? Every one of these assaults, every one of these plagues has been against the gods of Egypt. He's discrediting them. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Death will be coming to execute judgment not only against these Egyptian gods, but guess what? It's a matter of taking apart and really attacking their belief system. This assault is going to decimate what they have believed for so many years and what they've held on to as this is the solution. What they're going to realize is the fact that it is not true. These are false gods, that they have no power, that there is one true God, and all the things they've been depending upon are going to be proven to not be something they can depend upon. How many of us know people who are trusting in something other than God for their deliverance from pain or loss or sadness or even spiritual death? People that are trusting in their good works, as we were talking about before church. Look at how he finishes this one in this last part of this verse. He says, I am the Lord. He's saying, look, I am the Lord. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father yes. but by me. I am the only solution. Amen. Guess what? Death is coming in our story, absolutely. But guess what? Death is coming for us as well. 
Every single one of us. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, and then we will face the judgment, right? So God is going to take us home, and bottom line is, are we ready? Verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over, and the plague shall not be, with, be unto you, be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The Lord reassures them, if you will believe me and you'll follow my words and do what I tell you, guess what? You will be safe. But if you will not, there's a trouble. There's trouble. Amen. For, as for Christians, there's coming a day. Of celebration. And we look in verse number 14. It says, And this shall be unto you a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. He's saying, look, as the Jewish people, you're going to remember this forever. Remember this deliverance that has come. This is what's going to be, what we look at this, this horrible day of loss and of pain and of devastation that's going to take place. For some people, it's going to be a place where they will rue the day. And others, it will be a celebration of God's deliverance. Amen. There is coming a day as Christians, guys, when there will be a day when our king shall return. And every knee Amen. shall bow and every tongue Amen. shall confess that he is right. Lord. Right. There's coming a day of celebration. For some, it will be a celebration. And for others, it will be a terror. But God lovingly has reached out to this planet and has cares for us individually and has called us by name. Recognize who I am and recognize that I love you exactly as you are. You don't have to be a perfect religious individual. You don't have to live a perfect life. You can be an imperfect person with a broken life and I can restore it. If you're here today and God took you from a broken state to a restored state, praise the Lord. If you're still in the process, praise God because guess what? He can take our brokenness and use it for glory. We all had a point in time needed. We realized that we needed a Savior. And praise God, he was there for us. Verse number 15. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For, his, for whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. He says, look, the Passover, it's going to start on the tenth day. Okay, that's the tenth day of Nisan. On the fourteenth day, they're going to kill. They're going to eat the Passover. Then for that day on the fourteenth day and the next seven days, they're going to go all the way to the twenty-first. They're going to be unleavened bread. And it's important to this. God is talking about the leaven, right? Remember, leaven, as I said, is a, is a representation of sin. And listen to the warning. Paul gives this warning in Galatians 5, 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Sin breeds sin. Pride puffs up. Pride is the root of all sin. Those who face, who live a life that is destroyed through addiction started with experimentation. Every one of them. Right. I'm just going to try it. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, theft. All of these things started with just a, a little sample. But then we also have anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Guess what? Each one of these things is based upon a decision made by an individual who said, you know what? I choose. I choose not to forgive. I choose to take that drink. I choose to look at that on the Internet. I choose not to let go of this anger that I have in my heart, and I'm going to hold on to that bitterness, and it's going to be my, my bond or my badge of honor that I'm going to carry for the rest of my life, and I'll go to my dying grave. It's amazing. There are people in the world that live with that pain in their hearts, and it's a matter of it's a poison that's killing them. And God's saying, look, this is a matter of a decision. And he said that little bit of leaven, that little sample leavens the whole lump. We have to be careful in this life that we work on who we are inside. 
Verse 16, in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. On the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No matter of work shall be done in them. Save that which every man must, be, must eat, that only, that only may be done of you. He says they will live righteously, then preparation. This is all in preparation for the exodus because they are actually going to be physically following God. You and I follow him spiritually, but they're literally physically going to be following God. He's going to be leading them, and they need to be prepared. Verse 17, And you shall observe the feast of the unleavened bread, for in that selfsame day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day of your generation by an ordinance forever. These things that you do today for the very first time, you're going to celebrate it again and again and again. You Jews are going to remember this and never forget. For the 14th to the 21st day, they'll have that unleavened bread. Verse number 19, seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether it be a stranger or born in the land. God's expectations. He's saying, look, I have an expectation. If they're met, guess what? You'll receive my protection. If they're not met, you will not receive it. You will not receive deliverance. Verse 20, you shall eat nothing. Leaven in all habitations shall you eat unleavened bread. So literally, he's hitting this again and again and again. So this obviously means something to him. God's talking about righteous living. He's talking about us living a life that's holy. 1 Peter verses 1, 15 through 16 says this, But as he which hath called you is holy, so, ye, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. When you see the word conversation in the scriptures, that means two things. It means the words that you say, and it means the life that you live. Okay, Two things every time you see it, conversation. It is the life and the words. Bottom line is this. You and I need to seek holiness. Holiness, righteousness, right? Happiness is one of those things that this world is constantly trying to find. We spend our time and our energy seeking happiness. Happiness comes from the word happenstance. It's what happens to you. Guess what? Happiness, if you seek it all your life, it is a losing battle. At the end of your search, you will be empty because you'll have happiness, then sadness, then happiness, then sadness. It's just a matter of circumstance. But holiness, the beautiful thing about holiness is if we'll live righteously, guess what the byproduct of holiness is? Happiness. The byproduct, the very thing that we try to say, away. well, I'm just going to fulfill myself, man, I'll live this life. And the world's full of people that are ah, consuming life as fast as they possibly can. And at the end of all this consumption, they've still got a gigantic void. And they're still looking, well, that didn't fix it. But the beautiful thing is if we live righteously, if we live for God and we fulfill the very role that we were created to live and we'll fulfill him, not us, he will fill us and he'll give us that happiness. It's amazing. The Satan has lied to us and done a very, very crafty job of twisting the truth and kidding people away from holiness and actually looking to happiness. God's expectation of of us as his children is to live a life that honors him so much. So that we are to not to deny ourselves, as we talked about, as Eric sang in that song. This is the day when I die, right? When I give my life. Matthew 16, 24 through 25 says this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And this next verse, he says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. So who this says, look, my life is what I want to have. And you try to fill yourself. Guess what? You're going to lose the greatest life you could have. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, whoever will give up their life and say, God, I want to find, I want to live a holy life. I want to live for you righteously. He says that one, that one will find it. Verse 21, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb according to the families and kill the Passover. Here are the instructions from God. 
Verse 22. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it into the blood that is in the basin and strike the lentils and the two side posts of the blood with the, with it, with it, with that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until this morning. And just an interesting little side note, and we're not going to get into it, but bottom line is the fact that he uses hyssop. Hyssop's important, right? It talks about using the hyssop to do that. When Jesus is on the cross and they're going to offer him the vinegar, which is going to fulfill the very last the very last prophetic mention of him, the very last thing that he's got to, to finish, which is to receive the vinegar. You see it in Psalms. And he says there, he says, I thirst. And he takes that last bit. And as soon as he takes that last sip, he says, it is finished. He's not saying, I'm finished. It is finished. I have just fulfilled the very last prophecy, which says that I must drink. And guess what they give it to him on? Hyssop. Hyssop. It's a picture of righteous or cleanliness. Verse uh, number 23, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lentil and on the side posts, and the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in under your house to smite you. The blood of the lamb is going to keep you safe. That's an important thing all of us need to have. The blood of the lamb will keep us safe. Verse 24, and you shall observe this thing for an ordinance for thee and to thy sons forever. You're going to hold on to this. This is going to be a part of the Jewish culture from here on out to eternity. You're going to remember this. This day. And verse 25, and it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. No matter where you go, no matter where you end up, you're going to remember this. Verse 26, and it shall come to pass when your children say unto you, What mean ye by this service? When your kids go, Why do we do this? Dad, why do we take the Passover? What does it represent? You tell them. Tell them we will teach our children every generation to honor God because he's worthy. And as children of God, guess what? As children of God through Christ, right? Not because we're Israelites, but bottom line is we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior. And bottom line, through doing this, we understand. He's saying, look, you are to teach them the truth. Tell them who I am. If our children are to learn to love and to honor and to serve God, Guess what? They will not get it because we tell them to. They'll get it because they hear it and see it in Amen. our lives. Amen. Bottom line is it was what we do, not what we say. That ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worshiped. It says they worshiped. The word worship shows up for the very first time in Genesis 22.5. It says this, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And then it says, And come again to you. And those of you that have been word strong, you know that means something. Right? This is talking about when Abraham is going, and he's going to make the sacrifice of his son Isaac. His only begotten son. And it's a picture. We're not going to go into it, but it is a picture of the death of of Christ on the cross. It is phenomenal what we see in that scripture. It's all about obedience, obedience, obedience. This passage is talking about in verse number 29, and the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. It says they were obedient. They did what God told them. The Lord, because of his great love, has had this plan to redeem us from our sinful nature from the very foundations of the world. He's done all the groundwork. He's crossed every T. He's dotted every single I. 
He's given us the Word of God, which tells us exactly what we must do to restore our relationship with Him. And the problem isn't the availability of the knowledge or knowing what to do. The problem is our willingness to set our pride aside and to follow the instructions of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for today, and we thank you for the opportunity to share the Word of God. Thank you, Father, for the way that you've worked in my heart through this message. And, Lord, I know that we have a, a desire in our hearts, Lord, many of us, to serve you. And, God, you've given us instructions. We know what to do. It's just a matter of us choosing to do it. This world is full of distractions. It's full of things that are trying to draw us away from the truth of who we are and what we are to be. And I would ask, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts today, that we might, Lord, surrender our hearts and our desires and our wills to yours. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I hear you, but bottom line is I don't know that I have the relationship with God that I maybe think I should. Maybe I'm not as close with him as I should be. Maybe I understand him religiously, but I don't know him personally. And there was a time and a day in my life when somebody shared the truth of who Christ was. And I went from understanding that there was a God in the world and believing that he existed, which is wonderful. But bottom line is I did not have a personal relationship with him. It had never been a point in time when I realized that I was lost because of the things in my life, this nature of wrong. And bottom line is God wanted to do a work in my life. He wanted to bring me into a relationship with him. And he was reaching out to me. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, never personally, you may have known about him religiously, you may have experience, you may have faith, you may read the Bible, you may pray, all those things are wonderful. But he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is a specific moment when we make a choice to receive that gift. The Lord is calling from you, calling from the cross, calling from heaven with love to you right now. And he's saying, you know what? I want to give you that relationship. I'm waiting on you to receive the greatest gift which was my very life on the cross. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, if you want to receive that gift, all it simply takes is a willingness to believe and a willingness to step out by faith and to ask God to come into your life and to save you. We're the problem. He's the solution. If you recognize that today and you want to receive that gift, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray right there in your seat. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise. A promise. You can receive it right now, no matter where you are. If you're on the internet, in the overflow, wherever you are, let's pray. I'm going to pray out, I'm going to pray out loud. You can pray in your heart and in your mind. And if you pray by faith, not a matter of ceremony, not a matter of words, because God says that he looks at the heart. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. If you speak from the heart and you're sincere, God will truly save your soul. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, pray in your heart and your mind. Repeat after me in your heart and mind. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for what I've done in my life. I know that I'm separated from you, but I don't want to be. I feel you calling me right now and I'm asking you by faith to forgive me of my sin, to come into my heart and to save my soul. Lord, I trust you for my salvation. You have the power to save me. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for saving me. I will see you in heaven one day. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.